0: Welcome into Muskie's Talk. This podcast is being recorded on February 17th, 2023. I'm John Balders, joined by Alex Burnett, and we have a big show planned for you today. We'll dive into some Cincinnati sport, talk some news around sport, and Alex, how's day, how's the week been going for you?
1: Well, it's been uh, quite an interesting week. Uh, We had the Super Bowl wrap-up, the NFL season this Sunday. That was a great game to watch. Uh, Another instance of controversial, officiating, ruining what I thought could have been one of the greatest endings in NFL history, Uh, but we'll dive into that. And then we had Xavier versus Marquette, Uh, probably Xavier's biggest game of the season, Uh, probably their biggest game in many seasons, where they did fall short by one point. But there's a lot of positive takeaways uh, to take from that game that we'll get into as we head uh, down the stretch uh, for March here, John.
0: It's exciting, and we'll start with Xavier. You want to start there today? Yeah, we'll start there. Xavier was able to get a win back on February 4th. But since then, they've lost their last two, Alex, on the road at Butler. We did not have a show last week. They were up there in Indianapolis. Lost that game. They had a chance to win it. Lost it by two in the last seconds on a goaltending call late. And then you mentioned the Marquette game on Wednesday night where the Musketeers came up one point short. It's been a struggle late dropped down to 19-6 and six on the season, have lost their last two games in the Big East. What are your takeaways from the game at Marquette and also from the game at Butler last Friday?
1: Well, I'll start with the game at Butler. I, I thought that that was one of our worst uh, displays of the season, both offensively and defensively. It was just really a hard game to watch. Um, that was the first instance where it really looked like we were missing Zach Fremantle out there. Uh, who's obviously been out the last week or so with that or foot injury, uh, re-injuring that from last season. Hopefully we'll have him back in a few weeks. That was just a game where the offense could not get going for the life of it um, until it was too late and we had to make a comeback. Um, And, you know, the game ended controversially, a goaltend call that didn't go your way. But if you're a team like Xavier, you can't be going down to the wire against uh, a very uh, less – talented butler bulldogs team that has really had our number the last couple years Um, but then wednesday it's kind of the exact opposite i really thought the boys came to play uh, very shorthanded without desmond claude without cam craft who will be out the next three to four weeks with a knee injury but man defensively i thought that was one of our best performances of the year we were really able to you know keep marquette in check and let's be honest they're one of the top 10 teams in the country john
0: i would say the same thing you know, you look at it from Wednesday's standpoint, and you're out with no Fremantle again. You also lose Desmond Claude, who's supposed to be out three to four weeks. The freshman Cam Crafts also not playing. So you're going with Kiki Tandy, and Cesar Edwards are the only two guys off your bench. And that was probably the biggest game, as you mentioned, this year on the schedule. As of right now, a chance to get atop the Big East. Wasn't able to do it. Same thing for Butler, where, you know, you're right in the ball game. As I was listening to Sean Miller on the pregame yesterday, when he was diving into the Marquette matchup, he talked about the Butler game and Butler Xavier has only had 21 points in the first half. It was a one of their best, excuse me, one of their worst first halves all season. But they go out and score 40 plus in the second half. I mean, you how can you play one great half of basketball in the second half against a team like Butler and then you struggle so much in the first half? against a team like the Butler. And then you see the same thing on Wednesday where Xavier, right there in the first half, they're up 10. They had a chance they were up 11 at one point in the first half against Marquette. Marquette starts making shots. Xavier turns it over and lets Marquette back in the ball game. And yes, they have a short bench. But it's just been a struggle for Xavier to play 40 good minutes of basketball recently. And that's the reason why they're not probably going to win the Big East regular season. It looks like it's going to be either Marquette or Creighton right now because they're the ones contending for a big matchup next week between those two teams.
1: Yeah, and certainly the last couple games, uh, I don't think that have been, they haven't been complete performances from Xavier, even Marquette, even though I thought they played pretty darn well and just about as good as they could have. It's a game that they should have won uh, a couple turnovers there at the end by Soleil Boom. Uh, But, I mean, Sully Boone was the only reason that we were in the game to begin with, so you can't give him a whole lot of crap for that. Uh, You know, he played, well, I thought one of his best games as a musketeer, just hit shots every time that Marquette made a run. Uh, And we took every one of Marquette's punches. I mean, they would go up by four or five points, and we'd come right back, uh, you know, to cut it to a deficit where you can stay in the game, which is not always something you can do, especially when you're on the road in a hostile environment like that up at Marquette where – you know, they're, they're a world-class program this year, John, and, you know, it's a hard team to beat.
0: But how can it be, Alex? I mean, you play one great half of basketball, and you play another bad half, and you mentioned it. But I think maybe the reason is, as you talked about Xavier having great defense to play against Marquette, you have a short bench. You know, you only have seven guys. How was Xavier to be able to play such good, great first half defensively in that ball game? And their defense wasn't bad in the second half. Marquette just made their shots, and Xavier turned the
1: basketball over. You think our defense is improving? Yeah, I would say so. I think this was the first instance where I really saw uh, players who have— I look at Adam Kunkel, for instance. I would consider him as a guy who's played maybe subpar defense this year. Uh, But he really came out with some fire to start that game versus Marquette. I mean, he was grabbing steals on the first couple possessions, and he just looked like he had a a fire going, and he got into some foul trouble there. Uh, The whole team really got into some foul trouble, which I think had to limit the amount of defensive intensity that the Musketeers were able to play with, especially in that second half. Uh, Sean Miller had some post-game comments with some frustration for the officiating uh, for how tight they were calling the game late in that second half, you know. I do agree there. You don't want to pin it on the officials for a game that the, that Xavier essentially, uh, you know, they choked to put it lightly. But uh, you would like a game to be called the same way. That way, you're able to keep the same defensive intensity the whole way through.
0: I mentioned though, Alex Xavier is probably out of the Big East title run. There is still is a chance. They're only two games back of Marquette. Xavier's 11 and four in conference. Marquette with the win over Xavier on Wednesday. 13-3 and three in conference, Providence and Creighton both 11-4. As I mentioned, Creighton meets Marquette next week, so that will be a very big matchup. But when you look at Xavier's upcoming schedule, there's some tough games. You saw DePaul. We'll see them on Saturday. We saw them earlier this year. They beat us up there. Get them here on Saturday at 4 o'clock. Villanova's going to be a tough matchup. I know they've been down this year without Jay Wright. Also get Seton Hall here on the road will be tough. Providence on the road will be tough so it's Butler also so every game left on the schedule is not easy in the Big East and that's because you play in a tough conference with realignment it's always going to be a challenge to win the Big East regular season do you feel Xavier can get some luck and they're going to need it but also do you feel like there's a chance they could win this title
1: I mean I personally think winning the Big East regular season title while it is great it doesn't really even matter I mean, you look at the 2017-2018 team, they go out, win the Big East regular season uh, title and get the number one seed March Madness, but then they lose uh, not only in the conference tournament uh, early to Providence, but then they lose to Florida State in the round of 32, and that turns into a forgotten year, basically, Mm -hmm. because you weren't able to reach the expectations. So, personally, I don't really think that it's going to matter if Xavier wins the Big East regular season title because... Realistically, probably their ceiling right now is the last two seed, I would say, if they win out uh, the regular season and their floor is maybe a five seed. So, you, you know, you got to kind of take this with a grain of salt. Uh, they're probably going to end up with a three, four seed no matter what, win the conference or not. It's just no matter what they do in March Madness, John.
0: I was looking at it today, and we've mentioned it off air a lot, and I have a lease to you, about Xavier needing to lose some games. And we've talked about it when Xavier went on that 12-game win streak, and they were putting win after win together. And now with two losses, this has to make you feel like they have to refocus. I mean, yes, they've out, no free man without him, without Claude, without Kraft. So, yes, they have a short bench, just like we saw at Marquette on Wednesday. But do you feel like this team is in the spot right now? to be able to put a run together, especially once they get their guys back. But do you feel like this team's built for a stretch in the tournament?
1: Oh, yeah, I really do. I mean, you look back at the NIT tournament last year, Xavier by no means finished that year very strong. And the leadership of Colby Jones, the leadership of Jack Nungy, the leadership of Zach Fremantle, they were able to propel that team when Paul Scruggs went down to an NIT championship, and they were not playing all slouches even though that is the NIT, you know, they go out and beat some pretty darn good teams. Uh, I believe in the championship they beat, who was it, Texas Mm A&M, who everybody was arguing should have been easily in March Madness, and then Xavier goes out and beats them for that NIT title. I just think with the leadership, uh, Big East basketball has always kind of – the teams beat up on each other. Uh, Everybody plays really hard. And um, when you go into March Madness – you're playing a completely different brand of basketball against teams in the ACC, you know, the Big 12, where I think Xavier's going to get some favorable matchups with how hard they play. Uh, and we're going to see some of the same success that we saw in the non-conference.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't know the, the rest of this schedule of these five games left. You know, if you've already lost to two teams where you should have beat Butler and DePaul, you've already lost to them this year. You get them back again. You get a Villanova team without Jay Wright, a team that has lost plenty of games this year, but a team that you know over the years in the Villanova Wildcats that will give you a good game. And being here on a Tuesday night, which kind of we thought earlier on in the season, this was going to be a marquee matchup. Turns out it's just going to be a regular game, but it's still Villanova's going to come in here and want to get this win big time. And they have a chance to be able to go into the Big East Tournament and have a chance to get – if they win that, they could easily get into the NCAA Tournament, and that would not surprise me. But, of course, you got a big game against Providence and Seton Hall. Seton Hall
1: is going to be a game where they're currently sitting on the outside looking in for March mm-hmm. Madness. So, they're going to be – that's going to be one that got circled for sure because that would be a big resume boost for them.
0: We talk about the Big East a lot, but college basketball landscape as a whole right now, we've mentioned it. On the podcast before, but the Blue Bloods are a question. Do you think teams like Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, a team in North Carolina and Duke that went to the Final Four last year, one made it to the national championship when North Carolina beat Duke, do you feel like these teams are even going to make the tournament this year, Alex?
1: Well, we're going to certainly see a few Blue Bloods not make it. I think Kentucky's on a lifeline right now, North Carolina – you know, they're not looking good. Looking, It's looking like NIT bound for them. I think Duke will squeak in. Um, but it's kind of a really weird year in college basketball. Even the top teams are losing. You saw Alabama lose last night to Tennessee. You saw Purdue go down again tonight uh, to Maryland. It's just, you know, there's really no solidified top dog. Um, so I believe Xavier. this is Xavier's, uh, you know, it's just as good of a chance as they've ever had to make a deep run in the tournament given this, uh, the seniors on this team, the leadership, the ability to score, which I think in March Madness, you got to have a good offense. And, you know, mm-hmm. defense, you know, def- they say defense wins championships, but you got to be able to score, uh, you know, in the big dance and uh, put on a show. And I believe, you know, they have what it takes. We'll just have to see if they're up for it. You go back
0: to that Xavier team we have mentioned from 2018 and Chris Max's last year here. They were a one-seed in that tournament and lost early in the tournament. With Xavier losing the last two, dropping a 19-6 and six on the year, do you feel like seeding plays a huge key factor in actual tournament when you get there when the game matters?
1: I mean, yeah, that year realistically Xavier had a pretty favorable path to the Final Four, um, beating a Florida State team Uh, that year and then I believe they would have played a uh, six or five seed or something like that yeah to get to the Elite Eight Um, but you do have to take it one game at a time because hey it's March Madness you know upsets are everywhere that's why everybody watches it Um, so seeding does tend to be a bit overrated but you do have to look back at the stats and the history and it is the top four seeds that usually end up in the final four so you do want to get there if possible but hey you know if you don't Never know what's going to happen. That's why it's such a great tournament.
0: We mentioned Kentucky. They have a big matchup. You also mentioned Tennessee. They beat Alabama. Those two will meet on Saturday at 1 o'clock in Rupp Arena down in Lexington and a big SEC matchup. Kentucky still – the SEC has been a tough conference, but Kentucky struggled to get those quad one wins, and this will be a huge one for them on Saturday coming off a big win – On Wednesday night over Mississippi State 71-68. Alex, though, I want to dive over to the team about three miles from here and you see. A team that came off a tough loss on Wednesday night. They were up 18 points, lost it, and they've been struggling. They don't have any big quad one wins this year. Playing in a struggling AAC conference. They'll move over next year, though, to the Big 12 get in some tough games like Texas. They'll get Oklahoma for a couple years, Kansas State, Kansas. So what will be the biggest change, you think? Will there be a change for Wes Miller? You know, he's got to go out there and recruit with these big 12 schools per se. Will that be a huge challenge for a school that's already struggling right now to make the tournament, to get into a bigger conference, For the basketball program, will that be a struggle, you think, for West Miller's squad for years to come?
1: Now, John, what I'm about to say is going to sound harsh, and it's not because I dislike UC because I actually do like to see our crosstown rivals succeeding with us. I think bringing a good brand of college basketball is good for the city. Mm -hmm. It is going to be a disaster. They are going to be the doormat of the Big 12 for at least the first couple years of that conference because right now they are – scraping by against teams that are horrible. And you know, they looked good for a little while this year, but you turn on a UC basketball game, they play a brand of basketball that is hard to watch. It looks like players are just slacking off, jacking up threes. It reminds me of the a Travis Steele led Xavier team, uh, when things have gone bad. It's just everybody's selfishly playing, not a lot of assists looks like guys are taking days off out there just going through the motions and it's hard to see I just yeah you have recruits coming in you have players graduating a lot of turnover but it's going to take a heck of an effort not to come and last place or close to it when they make that merge over to the Big Twelve, which is sad to see because well UC is a few years removed from being a number two seed in the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, well Alex, and they're eight and six right now in the AAC. And that's not like the AAC doesn't have some good teams. Houston's pretty good. They're twelve and one. They're twenty four and two on the year. They're a great team. Memphis is right there. Tulane's having a decent year, but eight and six puts you in the four spot in the AAC, and that's kind of saying that the conference just has some up-and-down teams every year. They're 17-10. and 10. They just lost to East Carolina. I mentioned they were up 18 points on Wednesday night, lose that game 75-71. They've struggled this year. I mean, Xavier, Gas yes, Xavier almost gave it away to them, barely won that game back in December by three points. But it's been a struggle, though, for UC to be able to win game in and game out in a conference that really – not to say that the American Athletic Conference isn't doesn't have some good teams, like I mentioned, it does. But they just don't have the teams like the Big East does, that just stack, stack, stack. Very good teams. Every team has a chance to beat anybody. Because that's just—I don't think that's the way it is in the AAC.
1: Yeah, it's hard because you see, um, you know, they haven't always been used to playing in a conference like this, where every game, pretty much outside of when you're playing Houston, Memphis, or Tulane. You're looking at a horrific loss that is just going to destroy your March Madness resume. Where in the previous years you've had teams like Wichita State, uh, obviously Houston, but basically they've they've played four-ish, three-ish tournament teams every year, but they are certainly having a down year in that conference. And for UC to have to have that weight on their shoulders, I th- it seems like they're almost afraid of losing uh, to teams like I believe who was it they lost to this week. East Carolina. East Carolina, you know, that can't be good for the players. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of pressure. Just they're not playing free basketball. Whereas Xavier, hey, you know, you can, you don't want to drop one to a team like Butler or to a team like DePaul, but you have six quad one opportunities in the conference uh, to make up for it. But UC really doesn't. They have to get all their job done in the non-conference, uh, which they haven't been able to do either. So it's just kind of a tough situation for them uh, in that. American Athletic Conference.
0: And I'm not saying the Big East is great by any means. I mean, Butler's not having a good year, and we lost to them. We lost to DePaul. They only have three wins in conference play. Georgetown has been bad ever since they won the conference back in 2019. But, I mean, there's only three teams that don't have winning records in the Big East. So, I, you know, teams have been able to put wins together on paper and not saying every team's going to make the conference, but it's just it's tough to see – UC with a chance in the AAC sit in 8-6 in conference play to go into an even tougher conference next year. But, Alex, it's going to be a big matchup on Saturday. Let's get into those picks real fast. What do you think's going to happen? Can Xavier be able to get over the hump against the Demon Deacons on Saturday?
1: It's going to be, I believe, a similar situation to what happened when the Johnnies – uh, came to town and Xavier pounded them, I think it's going to be more of the same. Sean Miller's probably had the boys running in the gym. They're ready for this one. They know how important it is to keep winning, uh, to keep that seed where it is because you don't want it to go down much further. They're going to come out, you know, with some fire, with some intensity. I expect to see that offense going, quick movement. It's going to be nothing like we saw uh, up in Chicago earlier, earlier this season. Xavier's going to be ready to play. DePaul and Xavier get after
0: it 4 o'clock in the Centas Center on Saturday. Let's get over to baseball now, Alex. We haven't spoke about it much. Pitchers and catchers recruited this week on Tuesday for the Reds. They'll get the full squad there on Sunday. Games will start next Saturday for the Reds on February 25th for spring training games. 31 spring training games for the Reds get opening day against the Pittsburgh Pirates at the end of March. Alex, are you even excited? Are you even happy that baseball is about to be around the corner for the Reds? Or is just the passion not there with the roster and the ownership the Reds have given you for the 2023 campaign?
1: Well, you know, as a diehard lifelong Reds fan, it's it's tough to see what's unfolding with the team. Uh, you know, we got the decrepit ownership of the Castellinis, But it's hard not to be excited as a Cincinnati. And, you know, every time a year, how could you not be romantic about baseball on opening days? Coming around the corner, starting to get warm outside, you know, it's time for Reds baseball. It's at least something to do. Maybe I'll read a book or something when the game's on TV this year, play on my phone. But, you know, it's something to fill my time. And I'm not going to apologize for watching it, even if it's a very low brand of baseball, which I almost guarantee it will be. But, you know.
0: Anybody in Cincinnati that's a baseball fan that grew up watching the Reds, that grew up watching baseball in general, as you mentioned, it's hard not to be romantic. March 30th, you know, you get the horizons right here, you know, it's you're right around the horizon for baseball being here. And I mean, how when you get spring like this, there's just nothing to be more excited about than baseball. There's nothing else to look forward to, you know, you There's nothing more happy than when you're sitting in June or July and August and your baseball team has a chance to be in the hunt for postseason baseball. And the Reds haven't given us that, but they have given us a month. And that's what I give it, a month maybe to be happy about it until they fall apart. But the roster might be there, and they might not have the guys you want out there on the field, but you know the team's going to be there in March through September And I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see Joey Votto at first base. I'm I'm excited to
1: see the prospect.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see the new pitching the Reds give you. I mean, the starting pitching with Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft. I mean, it's going to be exciting. It's a nice young core. It's just when you talk about baseball, you look at five, ten teams in Major League Baseball, that's where the money is. That's where the winning teams are. And the rest of the teams, they're there for a little while. Maybe they make the playoffs like the Indians did last year. Guardians, excuse me. But, I mean, can you win it? Can you contend?
1: All I'm asking for is to be competitive by the All-Star break. Give me something to be semi-excited about. Maybe I can go to a game in August and not be you know, just there for the kettle corn. I want September baseball, October baseball in Cincinnati. This is a baseball town that has had to completely transform to a football town because the team is so darn bad. Just give us something as fans. That's all I'm asking for.
0: I think the city's always been a football town. I know the Reds have been good, and the Bengals' ownership has been bad for years and years, but when Sunday comes around, and the NFL, and any town that has an NFL team, and yes, St. Louis doesn't. There are some teams, cities that don't, but the cities that have NFL teams, that's their passion. And yes, the Reds give you good teams. They have 2012, 2013, 2010. And it's exciting for them to be around the corner again. But it's just hard to say. I don't think this has always ever been a baseball town, even though I we we're the first team that ever had a baseball team starting back in 1869. But I think this has been a football town Throughout and, and But with that said, you have guys like Joey Votto who has been with this team for his whole career, sits at 40 in September, and he's never won a playoff series.
1: John, I got a question. And that's where the passion is lost as a Reds fan. I got a question for you. If you had to choose right now, and this is going to be tough just with the recency bias of the Bengals, which would you rather have? That World Series trophy or that Lombardi? Which one is more sweet? Because it's tough.
0: I would say the, the I would say the World Series. Uh, it, I, just I had think, I almost messed my words up because you've got to think about it. I mean, do you want a World Series? Do you want? It's harder to accomplish. I think you have to go through seven games. It's a grind. You have to go through five games, and you saw the same with the Reds in 2012. They were one game away, couldn't I, get it.
1: I just I look at what happened in Chicago in that 2015 season or 2016 season. Excuse me you go you go to Chicago that year if the Bears won the Super Bowl you think they would have been as excited as the Cubs winning the winning the World Series I just think the World Series is still the greatest achievement in professional sports it just means- no
0: no but I, I sorry to cut you off but no but if you think about it if you think of it like as Detroit Detroit Lions have never won the Super Bowl right yeah the Tigers I think they've won it now correct me if I'm wrong
1: but I believe they want it. No matter last, what,
0: my point yeah. is, I think if you're a Lions fan, unlike if you're a, like, a Cubs, like a Cubs fan, I think in Detroit, the Super Bowl will be more big. But in Chicago, since they never won the World Series in 100 years, it's a big deal. Here in Cincinnati, the basic question comes down to it, which one's harder to win? And I think baseball's harder to win.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do suppose, I, I guess I'm the, because of that example you brought up, I would say after the Bengals, when their first won, I would prefer uh, the World Series because they just got to get over that hump and bring a championship to the city. But then after that, I think the World Series is you know, a more important title. But, hey, I'm not going to be well, complaining. I
0: mentioned St. Louis. We were up in Buffalo and for the Bengals' playoff game in January. They don't have, a, they don't have an MLB team. Well, the Bills are all they and got. And the Bills is all they got. And in the 90s with a great team they had, went four years in a row, couldn't get it done. So I mean, we sit here today, and every person out there felt like they were jumping on the Bills' bandwagon because they won the first Super Bowl for Buffalo. Just like you want to see it in Cincinnati last year, when we went to Super Bowl, and let's get over to the Super Bowl right now. We want to talk about it. The Chiefs, five years in a row, and Eric Bieniemy, their offensive coordinator, is going to leave because he thinks Mahomes is such a great quarterback. Take another offensive coordinating job in Washington. I mean
1: well that sounds like a destination. It, it doesn't make any
0: sense. I mean, yes, it, I'm getting tired of the Chiefs. People are getting tired of the Chiefs, but you don't just leave your job because a quarterback's so good, and he wins the mVP, which yes, there were some questionable calls in that game. Yes, the Chiefs got away and got another field goal late to win it with Harrison Bucker. but I just to go back to this whole point, I just don't know which one you would want to take, and in Kansas City, I think you would want to see. The Royals when this, when this, win the World Series right now, more than the Chiefs as as a Kansas City fan, but I don't live there, and I can't answer that question. For yeah, those Yeah I mean,
1: I guess it just varies city by city. Um, you know I, you look at New York, they want the Yankees to win more than the Giants. it just It just depends regionally. I, I mean, I think honestly, if you pulled the entire city of Cincinnati, I bet it would well, with the recency bias, I bet it would probably be about 70, thirty. but if you pulled them five years ago, it probably would have been about 50, 50, you know. World championship's a world championship. A parade's a parade. It's the greatest thing that can ever happen to a city, to a community, and I just want that to happen for the city of Cincinnati. We deserve it. It hasn't happened in 40 years. It, it just needs to happen.
0: Do you feel like there was always talk when the Bengals were bad for years and years and years, and they were really bad after Andy Dalton, five years go to the playoffs, they went bad for a while. And the team, there was rumors about them maybe moving after the 2026 season. And now they build the indoor facility, Joe Burrow's in town, Jamar Chase, and they got a really good team. But the Reds are down bad now. And would you ever see there might be a rumor of the Reds moving?
1: I just think the – Banking shift on Cincinnati? They can threaten it all they want, but the MLB would never allow it. It's based outside of the Yankees and the Red Sox, I would say it's – a top three, top four, you know, maybe the Dodgers too. Most historic baseball franchise. They would just never allow it to move out of Cincinnati. There's just so much history here. It would just be a horrible look for the MLB, and it's just never going to happen. But, you know, I could see them threatening it, making the threats try to get fans in the stands, incite fear. But like I said, it's never going to happen, and I'm sure better times are going to come for the Reds.
0: Yeah, we got about five minutes left. We'll get back over to – A big story that was talked about, we didn't get into it a couple weeks back, Tom Brady retiring. A man that has played in the lead my whole life. He came in in 2001 when I was born, and he's been consistently year in and year out, took his team to the playoffs, has won seven Super Bowls, more than any franchise, more than any single player. When you look at a guy like Tom Brady, when you tell your kids one day, when they ask, Who's Tom Brady? What do you say about the man?
1: I mean, you have to say he's the greatest. I would say athlete of all time, given his seven rings. I mean, that is just unheard of. Football's you know, it's an absolute grind uh, to be in the league for that long, do what he's done with teams that weren't all that talented sometimes. Uh, You know, some people make the argument he's a system quarterback, but he just brought greatness to New England and Tampa Bay for that seventh ring. There's nobody like him to ever play any sport, in my opinion. You can make the argument for Jordan. But, you know, he's the GOAT. So, enough said.
0: I would say the same. I mean, there's no one – yeah, there's great quarterbacks. You can name all the names, and I'm not going to go through it. But I don't think there's anybody better. Seven Super Bowls is all you need to say about a guy that will go down in history as the greatest player to ever play the game and a guy who was – Really, at one time, just another college quarterback. And he never really planned out to be some star in college. And here he comes to the NFL as a backup. Worked his way as a starter. And he ends up as the GOAT, as Alex said. So, I that's all I got to say about that. But Xavier, big game. I got Xavier. You said you have Xavier. I got Xavier over to Paul also. I think they're going to get the win. Hopefully handily, but I think it's going to be maybe a 10-point victory. I think DePaul puts a good team together, gave Xavier a good game a while back when he played up there in Chicago. But
1: I think you got to get it together. I mean, you've lost two straight. You can't drop your third. No, it's just something that I don't think can happen or will happen. You don't want to be in that position. That's where you start to hit the panic button. But this team right now has no reason to hit the panic button. They're dealing with injuries and they're doing just fine. You know, just regroup. You know, don't... Dwell on losses too much and just remain confident until the end, and I think we'll be just fine.
0: Are you even, do you even care about the Big East tournament?
1: Yeah, I mean, Big East tournament something that Xavier's never won. They've never been to the final. Uh, it's a tournament that they've had opportunities to win. They've just kind of choked, and usually Villanova's gotten in the way, and they seem to be somewhat out of the equation this year. You don't want to write them off completely because they are Villanova, but. Um, you know, it would be nice to win that, uh, especially since they haven't done it before. And usually the conference champions of the tournament do pretty darn well in March Madness, so that's something to keep in mind as well. That is true. So
0: got a lot of games coming up. We'll have it all right here on Muskie's Talk as we'll keep you updated with Xavier as they have five games left in the regular season, as we mentioned, get set for Biggie's Tournament, and then in Tournament, if Xavier can be able to keep winning games... They'll be in there in March. The Reds, as we mentioned, get set for their first spring training game in a couple weeks, and we'll keep an eye on that, see who makes the 25-man roster. That's all very important, and we'll also keep up to date with any big sporting news that happens around the country. Alex, we appreciate, I appreciate you jumping on me again today and talking some sports. Hope you have a good rest of the week, and what are your final comments as we wrap up? Another podcast up here on the Xavier Newswire.
1: Well, it's always a pleasure to do this with you, John. Uh, Really looking forward to covering some March Madness as we uh, wrap up the college basketball season here. Should be great. For
0: Alex Bearnett, I'm John Baldridge. We'll be back with you next Friday to talk some more sports. So long, everybody, and have a good week.